I'm ready for the word of God. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you that every distraction will just be removed and we will just focus in on what you are wanting to say to us today. Holy Spirit, would you add to what already has been prepared? Thank you that you were in the preparation, but thank you that you will be in the serving right now. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you would minister a word to us today that will just bear a harvest in our lives to that tomorrow and the week and the months and the years that lie before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Excellent. Well, we are in week two of our series on the will of God. And if you missed last week, then as always, it's available for you to catch up with online. But last week, we opened up these thoughts by talking about the fact that the will of God is something that so often in church has been made something mysterious, something mystical, something that we're like, oh, what does that actually mean? And so we want to take time to actually talk about that in this series. Because maybe you have questions concerning the will of God. What does that even mean? What is the will of God? And we said last week that that word will means desire and intention. This is God's desire and intention for your life. What is the will of God? How do I discover the will of God? What does the will of God mean in this decision that I have to make? And so on and so on. So we are talking about all those things in this series last week, this week and next week as well. Last week we started by talking about the fact that it all begins with the revealed will of God. What do we mean by that? That before we go in search of the specific will for us individually that God has for us, God has already spoken so much about his intentions, his thoughts, his concepts about different aspects of life. And to understand the revealed will of God, we need to read the word of God. Amen? And so last week we looked at that, we looked at a couple of examples, excuse me, and then we talked about practically how to read the Bible and to make sure we get the most from it. So my hope this week is that the past seven days you've been potentially reading the Word of God in a fresh and dynamic way. Anybody here been reading the Word of God in a fresh, dynamic way? If you haven't, then here's the good news. Tomorrow's Monday morning and it's a brand new week and His mercies are new every single morning, Amen. And so tomorrow is a fresh opportunity. But today I want to move on to something else and look at God's permissive and God's perfect will. So we've got a graphic that's going to come up on the screen hopefully. There are two routes for our life on a daily basis and on an on a overall life basis. We have the permissive will of God and we have the perfect will of God. And if you've never heard of these phrases before, I want to encourage you, don't switch off because you've never heard this and it sounds too complicated. Because in the time that we have today, my hope is that I'm going to explain and try, sorry, try my best today to explain the difference. We're going to look at some biblical examples and then we're going to see how this applies to each of us individually. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched TV shows, game shows, where you watch something and there's a contestant and they're in that moment where they could go for the big prize, but they actually set out short and go for the prize that is right now. They sell themselves short of the ultimate prize for what can be the immediate prize, right? You've seen that. And you can be sat there thinking, well, no, 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 just hold on. There's a better thing that's coming your way. If you've ever had children, or if you remember being a child, you remember what it's like to sell out for what's best for what's immediate, right? As children, we're not very patient. So we don't wait for what could come. We want what we want and we want it now. 
And when it comes to the perfect and permissive will of God, we're going to see over and over again today that it's never better to trade in God's perfect will for his permissible will. So what do we mean by these two phrases? There are some things we do and there are some choices we make that are in what's, God's, what's called God's permissive will, while there are other things that we do that are in God's perfect will for us. So when we look at these directions, one of these directions, the permissive will of God, is what God allows. Okay? The other one, the, the perfect will of God, is what he prefers, what he intends, and what he desires for your life. So in life, we can choose to live in what is permissible, or else we can desire the better option, which is always the perfect will of God. So turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And verses 1 to 2 are our foundational verses for this entire series. <clears throat> Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. This is what it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. For this is your true and proper worship. And then it says this, words that may be very familiar to you. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will okay let's take a trip back to the beginning for a moment and I don't mean the beginning of the message I mean the very beginning of time we know that in the beginning God created right we believe that in here we're, we're creationists we believe that in the beginning God created he created the heavens and the earth he created a perfect world and he created you and I, human beings and what he wanted was not for us to be a bunch of robots doing everything that he told us to do. He wanted us to operate in this thing called free will. Now again, if you don't know what free will is, hang around with a toddler for any amount of time and you'll see that there's this innate desire within each and every single one of us. We want what we want and we want it now. There is a desire for our will to be outworked in life. And God designed it this way that we would have a choice and a freedom to choose some decisions. Now, what are some of those decisions? Here's a few key ones. We have the free will to choose God or reject God. Right? Every single human being has this choice in life. It's not something that God's made us do. It's something that God gives us the choice and the opportunity to, to choose God or reject God. Adam in the Garden of Eden was left with a choice, wasn't he? There were two trees. There was a tree of life and there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God's perfect will was for, for Adam to operate in a way that he only ate from one particular tree and ignored the other tree that God said, that is not for you. But he left him with a choice. He left him with free will of which way to go. We have a free will to choose God or reject God. Now, even when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you're still left with a choice. You have the choice and the free will to choose to walk in God's will and ways or not. Now, we looked at some of that last week, didn't we? That God has revealed his general will for how he desires us to live as followers of Jesus. But it's up to us whether we live lives that are true to what he's asked of us in his word. 
And another one is the fact that we have choice, we have free will to live according to his perfect will or to operate out of what is called the permissible will of his life for us. So we can live within the boundary lines of what is permissive or else we can make the choice today to go after what is perfect. God's perfect will for you, which is tailor-made for your life. Now, God has plans for you. Do you believe that this morning? Come on, help me out here today. Do we believe that this morning? God has plans for your life. We talked a lot about that in a Kairos moment, that God has specific plans for you, whether you choose to operate in them or not. It's up to us whether we choose our plan for, for our life or God's plan for our life. Now, here's the reality. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a verse that many people love to quote without actually understanding the full context. So people say, oh, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And we see it as this thing where God has a perfect plan where it's all going to be easy. It's all going to be prosperous. And we got to understand that Jeremiah is speaking in that moment to a nation that are in captivity, in a, a nation that are in trouble. And they've been following the false prophet Hananiah. And Jeremiah comes along and says, actually, don't listen to what he's been saying. He's been lying to you. And you're going to realize that you're going to be in slavery and captivity to the Babylonians for a 70-year period. So when we read Jeremiah 11, it isn't always what the fridge magnet makes it out to be, okay? But... It does show us that God has plans, that God plans for the nation of Israel, but also for you and I. He has specific plans. And according to Romans 12, they are good, they are pleasing, and they are perfect. Now, sticking with Jeremiah, God had a specific plan for Jeremiah's life that he had. And Jeremiah was left with a choice. Do I embrace it? Or do I walk away from it? Jeremiah 1, verse 4 to 5. If you think I normally drink a lot of water, there's going to be a lot of water consumed this morning. Jeremiah 1, 4 to 5 says this. <coughs> the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So God had a specific plan for Jeremiah's life, and Jeremiah was left with a choice. Do I walk in it or not? And we see this idea threaded throughout the whole of Scripture. Let's look at a couple of examples. Abraham. God comes to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I have a plan for your life. And it's an amazing plan. It, it causes you to be the father of many descendants it's going to cause you to have more descendants than there are grains of sand on the seashore this is my plan for your life but it's up to you whether you choose to walk in it or not now Abraham was left of a choice do I stay in what I know or do I walk in obedience to what God is calling me to do in this moment there was the perfect will of God or there was the permissive will of God he could have remained where he was but he chose to walk in God's perfect plan for him. Esther. If you know Esther's story, it's an incredible moment. We've been talking a lot about Esther's story. If you've never read it before, read the book of Esther in the Old Testament and you'll see that she's in this moment that we talked about in Kairos, 
where she has the perfect will of God for her life, but it was her choice whether she chose to walk in it or not. The rich young ruler, he came to Jesus and said, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, I have a plan for your life, but it involves you walking away from the things that you had intended for you. This is the plan I have for your life. And so the rich young ruler could have inherited all that Jesus had for him. He could have walked in the perfect will of God for his life, but he held on to what was his. He held on to his plan for his own life instead of accepting and walking in the perfect will of God for his life. The disciples, on the other hand, left what they knew and discovered God's perfect will for them. We have been given a choice, amen? Now, a question I get asked a lot as a pastor is, when did you decide you wanted to become a pastor? When did you know you wanted to become a pastor? Like it was, we were at primary school, and there was one child saying, I want to be an astronaut, another saying, I want to be a football player, and I was sat there, little Stephen, with his curtains, saying, I want to be a pastor. That never came out of my mouth. (laughs) Ever. Ever. I did not want to be a pastor. Sometimes I question it today. No, no, I never wanted to be a pastor. But in 2005, especially in spring, around the time of May, God began to unveil his plan for me. And he gave me a choice. I mean, time doesn't allow us to go into it, but there were so many different things that I could share with you this morning that talked about the realities of the choices that I could make. And time and time again, God was saying, thank you, Ellie. God was saying, this is the plan I have for you. This is my plan for you. And I was left with a choice. Do I pursue my plan, my agenda, and the route that I have planned? Now, don't get me wrong. I would have still been saved. I would have still been blessed. I I would have still been walking in the permissive will of God for my life. But actually, as I chose to walk in his perfect will for me, it may be perfect, that doesn't mean it's easy. But it causes us to live with a blessing, understanding that we've turned our back on our own will and chosen the will of God for our life. Amen? We are given a choice. So last week, we talked about God's revealed will as in the word of God. Today, (coughs) we're looking at a specific will for our lives. For let me underline, will never contradict his word. Now, here's another couple of examples of people that God shared his specific will and plan for. That's nice. Um, For the purposes of the tape, tape? We don't do tapes anymore. For the purposes of Spotify, I have just drunk a, what is that? Honey and lemon. Oh, it's nice. Which may be sold at the tea and coffee afterwards, who knows? The rest is free, but honey and, uh, and lemon will charge you for. Okay, so we've got to understand that God revealed his perfect plan for people, but he also reveals his perfect plan and his perfect will that he wants to outwork through people. Let's look at a couple of those examples. Moses. Moses, as a young man, murders an Egyptian. And so he goes and hides in the area in the land of Midian. For 40 years, he's in Midian. And one day, he's tending the sheep, doing what he does. And suddenly, he sees a fire. 
There's a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning up. And so he goes to investigate it. And in that moment, God says to him, this is the perfect will that I want to outwork through your life. I want to use your life and I want to set a whole nation free from slavery and captivity in Egypt. But it's going to need you to trade in your will for your life and walk in the perfect will that I have for you. And so Moses turns his back on wilderness and walks in the direction of what God had for him. Jonah. Jonah is another one. God comes to Jonah and says, go to Nineveh. He says, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach. And I want you to preach that everyone needs to repent. It's going to be a really welcome message. They're really going to love you. You are going to go sat down so well in Nineveh. Trust me. Just go tell them they're all wrong. They need to repent. Otherwise, it's going to end badly. And so Jonah is left with a choice. And we know if you've been to kids' church, you know the choice he made. He walks in his will. And that didn't turn out too well for his life. The disciples... In the book of Acts, there's moments where God comes to them in prayer and the Holy Spirit says, this is what I want to do through your life. I want you to go to here. I want you to go to there. And through your life, I'm going to minister to people. So there's a moment where a man named Ananias is praying and the Holy Spirit says to him, I want you to go to this house and I want you to pray for a man named Saul. And so Ananias is like, oh yeah, yeah. what what am I? Saul you want me to pray for Saul because if you understood Saul was like a terrorist, okay? Now, I'm not making light of this. This is a reality. But actually, in that moment, it was like saying to a, a, a Christian in the, in the year 2000, around that time, I want you to go and pray for Osama bin Laden. And I'm not saying that lightly. That's the reality of what he was saying. I want you to go and pray for Saul. And so Ananias is like, oh, I think you've got the wrong guy, God. I, I don't know if that's for me. But he said, this is the perfect will I want to outwork through your life. And so Ananias goes and he prays for Saul. I can imagine, like, instead of laying hands on him, he's like, okay, someone else lay hands on him. I'll just stand by the door, ready to run in a minute. But he prays for Saul and scales fall of Saul's eyes. He becomes Paul. He's baptized. He revolutionizes. He reads the New Te- writes the New Testament. He plants churches everywhere. He becomes a mighty apostle because Ananias was faithful to what God had called him to do. God has plans for us. God has things he wants to do through us day by day, moment by moment. So there may be moments when you're in the workplace And God has something he wants you to do. There may be moments where you're waiting for the bus. God has things he wants you to do. There may be moments where you're sat there watching Netflix and God says, I want you to text that person. I want you to ring that person. There's stuff he wants to do through you day by day, but also whole picture, whole life stuff. There are decisions and directions he wants to take you. His permissive will or his perfect will are our choices. Let's continue to dig into this a little bit deeper. Let's look at the difference between the two. First thing I want to say is this. God's permissible will does not have his full blessings. We need to understand this. God's permissible will does not have his full blessings. And a great example of this is 1 Samuel chapter 8. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 8, we find a situation where God has been the king of Israel up until this moment. And he wants to remain as their king. And yet the Israelites are looking around 
And they're seeing other nations who have human kings. And they're saying, we like that. We want a bit of that too. And so they go to Samuel and they say, Samuel, give us a human king. And Samuel says, well, I don't know if that's God's will for you. And so he goes to, to God and he prays. And God says, this is not my perfect will for them. And so he comes back. And he says to the Israelites, this is not going to end well. This is going to carry consequences if you choose to walk down this line. And, and listen to their response. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 19. It says, but the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, they'd heard all this stuff. And they said, even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. So Samuel repeated to the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord replied, do as they say. Give them a king. Then Samuel agreed and sent the people home. So God in his permissive will allowed Israel to have what they demanded. He gave them a king like the other nations. And then the problem started. War after war, chaos after chaos, because his permissive will does not come with his full blessings. There'll be things that he allows. You push hard enough, God will allow it. But if it's not his perfect will, it will not come with his full blessings. Here's something else. The perfect will of God is God's divine plan for your life. We need to understand this. So for example, the kind of person God has for you to marry. The, the career, the ministry, whatever it might be, that God wants you to operate in. This perfect will of God. And do you know what? This perfect will requires us to be patient. It requires us to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. It requires us to trust him that he wants what is best for us and not second best. So we walk in the direction of the perfect will of God for our the Israelites were not patient the Israelites did not trust God and so there was the permissible will but they missed out on the full blessings of God is this making sense this morning God's perfect will is always superior to his permissive will God's perfect will is what he requires his permissible will is what he allows you see perfect is defined this way <clears throat> Perfect, his perfect will is being complete and without fault, satisfying all requirements, right? That's the kind of will I want at work in my life. God's will, which is complete, without fault, satisfying all requirements. This is a definition of permissive, being tolerant or allowing something to exist. God's perfect will is what we should choose to walk in. And nothing can add to the perfect will of God. Do we believe that this morning? You cannot add to God's will. You cannot take away from God's perfect will to make it any better. He is our creator. He knows what is best for us. And we need to trust and walk in what he has called us to do. Because otherwise, if we walk in his permissive will, the Bible teaches us and history, our own lives teach us the consequences that we may be walking in what is allowed, but we will never walk in his full blessings for us. Let's look at a couple more examples 
And then we're going to wrap this up by looking at how this applies to us. Here's a couple of examples of God's perfect will and God's permissive will. God's perfect will was the innocence of man. Genesis 2, 25. This was his perfect will. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. God's desire for mankind was innocence. God's desire for mankind was no shame in our life. God's permissive will, because of our choice, was the fall of man. Genesis 3, verse 7. It says, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. You see the difference between God's perfect will and God's permissive will. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. God allowed man to have choice, but it resulted in something that was never his intention, never his design, never his desire for us. Let's look at a couple of others. God's perfect will is the salvation of man. God's perfect will is the salvation of man. 2 Peter 3 verse 9. We looked at this verse last week. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 1 Timothy 3 verse 4. Sorry, 1 Timothy 2, verse 3 to 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved. This is his perfect will. He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God's perfect will is the salvation of mankind. God's permissive will is the condemnation of man. Not because he wants it, but because he's allowed us to have choice and there is always consequence when we choose his permissive will. Listen to this, Romans 2 verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. We could go on and on and on throughout scripture. Looking at so many examples of what God desires and what God has allowed, even though he's not his desire. And every time, without fail, you will see time and time again that his perfect will is never worth trading in for his permissive will. It is never as good. It is never as pleasing. And it's certainly never as perfect as the perfect will of God for us. So where does this land for us today? Maybe you're in a season where you're having to make decisions. Big decisions, small decisions. You're in a moment in your life where you know you have some decisions to make. Are you going to choose the permissive will of God or the perfect will of God? Maybe you look back at your life and see years gone by and you see a whole load of regret in your life. Maybe you want to know what God's overall direction for your life is. Maybe for you it's not so big picture. But you want to know that you're making the right decision day to day, moment to moment. How do we know the perfect will of God for our lives? And how do we discover that perfect will? Three very quick things and we're going to wrap up. The first one is this, the word of God. Now we spoke on this last week. That to know the will of God, we need to first read the word 
of God. Now, I'm not going to go over all of that again today. But if you listen to last week's message, there was a whole load of practical suggestions about how we get more in the word of God so that we discover the will of God for our lives. But let me underline once again, God's specific will for your life individually will never contradict what he has already spoken in his word. So when you have somebody tell you, or when you feel, God's told me this, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, God has not told you, okay? Sorry, but as a, as a spiritual pastor, I need you to know that when we're saying God has told me, and it does not line up with what God has already spoken in his word in times gone past, that is us adding to the word of God, taking away from the word of God, making it up as we go along, rather than being obedient to what the word of God says. Amen? Second thing, prayer. James 1, verse 5 to 6, the Living Bible. It says, if you want to know what God, sorry, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. I love how simple that is. If you want to know what God asks you, God, what is your plan for my life? God, what is your will? What is your intention? If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him and he will gladly tell you what it is. I've lost my place. For he is always ready to give you a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. He will not resent it. But when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to tell you. For a doubtful mind will be as unsettled as a wave of a sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. If we're going to discover God's perfect will for us, it will involve prayer. And if you say, well, I'm not somebody who really likes praying. Well, you're going to miss out on God's perfect will for your life. And when I say prayer, I'm not just talking about us talking all the time. It involves listening. It involves the prompting of the Holy Spirit when it comes to our prayer life. And that moves us into the third one, living an abiding life. Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. You know, naturally, when a branch is connected to a vine, it knows the nature and the will of a vine. And it doesn't have to work at it. What is in the vine will bear itself in the branch. Amen. And so it is with our lives when we are rooted in God. When our lives are in him, the Bible says that his word and his will abides in us. And we've got to understand that God isn't just directing us from the outside in. It's not about man's wisdom. It's not about his written word alone. God has placed the Holy Spirit within us to lead us into all truth and to discover his perfect will for our lives. If we want to know and live in his perfect will, some vital aspects are going to be Bible, prayer, and the Holy Spirit. I'd add to that obedience as well. But we need to walk in obedience to discover the will of God. And we need to know the peace of God. The peace of God will so often be a direction. Am I walking in the right path? It will be a compass that tells us which way to go. The peace of God will lead us into a direction that is God's perfect will for us. Okay, let's end where we started. Helen, you can come up. Thank you for listening so patiently to me today. Let's finish where we started. God has given us a choice. 
There are many things we can do that are permitted. But to live according to God's perfect plan and to live life to the full, God's perfect will is what we should desire. So let me end by saying this. It is never too late to start walking in God's perfect will for you. It's never too late. You may say, well, I don't know. I've lived a lot of my life now. I'm in, I'm in the latter stage of my life. Abraham was 70 years old when God came to him and said, this way. Abraham was 70 years old when he said, I want you to leave all that you have known and I want to take you in a new direction for your life. Abraham could have said, oh, but I'm settled. Abraham could have said, oh, but this is what I've known. But he had to leave what he'd known in order to step into what God had for him now. Some of you, you feel like your life has been a whole bunch of mistakes and you feel like it's too late. It is not too late. Can I get an amen? All the time that you have breath in your lungs, all the time that you are continuing to walk on this earth, there is breath in your lungs and God has a plan and a purpose. It is never too late to leave what you have known to step into God's perfect will for your life. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. You may say, I've only been saved for two weeks. Well, guess what? God has a perfect will for your life. But He wants you to walk in. And all you need to do is say, God, what is it you're directing me in? And to walk in obedience to the way He is calling you to walk. It is never too late. I don't care how young you are in the faith. I don't care how old you are in age. I don't care how many mistakes you've made in your life. It is never too late to walk in the will of God for your life and all you need to do is repent you say oh that sounds a big scary word you hear people say repent repent and it sounds so big and scary or else we think repentance is we sit on the floor and cry for 17 years and tell people don't i'm repenting don't talk to me i'm i'm busy repenting do you know what repentance is a change of thinking that's all it is it's a change of thinking that then changes the way that we live when we come to that moment of repentance for salvation it's changing the way we think to say I can't do this on my own I need a saviour there is only one way to God and he is the way the truth and the life that's what we're doing we're changing our thinking and when it comes to walking in the perfect will of God for us, no matter how destructive our past has been, all we need to do is change our thinking. Change the way that we've been thinking about ourselves, about the people around us, about life. And we do that by the renewing of our minds in a way that transformed us. The truth is, we've all got it wrong at one time or another in the choices we've made. Yeah, right? Come on, don't leave me up here on my own. Don't, don't you sit there pretending. I mean, I've just preached all this time with this and you sit there pretending you've made every choice correct. Don't do that to me. Every single one of us have choices that if we could make them again, we wish we could. Every single one of us have things that we look back on that we're not proud of. Choices we say, oh, I know that was a, de- a deciding moment in my life. I went this way instead of that way. Whatever it might be. But things can change. And all it takes is trusting God. Knowing what you could do. Knowing at times what you want to do. But choosing to do what God has called you to do. 
And next week, we're going to look at how we choose the will of God. Before that, I want to pray for you just as we wrap up this morning. And I want to pray for any single person here today, which is probably each and every single one of us, who are making decisions. Some of you, it's big life decisions you're making right now. You've included some people, you've asked their wisdom. For others, you haven't actually spoken to people, but you know there's stuff in your life. You want to make a massive decision and a massive change. And so we need to make sure we're walking in God's perfect will for our life. Oh, we can choose to walk in the permissible, but it will never carry the full blessing of God. Let's choose the perfect today. So in this moment, big decisions or small day-to-day decisions, I just want to pray for you just as we finish today. Heavenly Father, would you, by your Holy Spirit, give wisdom to each and every single person here today. You said in your word, if we need to know what you want us to do, we just need to ask you. So we're taking you at your word in this moment, Heavenly Father, and we're asking you, would you show us which way to go? Would you show us which choice to make? Would you show us which paths we're going down that aren't correct for our lives and Would you help us to be rerouted back to where you want us to be? And Lord, I just want to speak that word grace upon every single person here today who's made mistakes, who have made wrong choices. Father, I thank you that your grace is beyond all of those things. And you are a restorer of those who have messed up. I thank you, Father, that you are a restorer and a redeemer of those who have got it wrong. And that today is a brand new opportunity to make it right. Heavenly Father, be in the big decisions that we make. But also this week, may we outwork our week. Moment by moment, day by day, knowing exactly what you are calling us to do. And as you do, may we be obedient to walk within it. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Hey, thank you for listening so patiently this morning and let's put into practice what we've learned today we'll be back here next Sunday